The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. My life is like a video game, trying hard to beat the stage. All while I am still collecting coins. Trying hard to save the girl, obstacles, I'm jumping hurdles. I'm growing up to be a big boy. A battle with the evil ways, I travel far and try and say, sorry but your princess isn't here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we are going to break down a jam-packed episode of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And uh, we will begin this episode with the main event. Stock up, stock down. Joel, let's start with the main event here, which was frankly wild. The was arcade anarchy match is that what it was Mm -hmm. as i i still wanted this to be in an arcade but i thought they did a really good job of setting the mood setting the environment with the arcade games i loved the wall of prizes that were just weapons (laughs) like i i love the whole aesthetic of this joel what were your initial thoughts of this this match i thought it was really good use of the emptied out ringside area you know this is something where they wouldn't have been able to put all of those structures in there if you had fans in attendance like you know a normal show because there would be people in those seats and there would be people whose view was obscured by the prize wall and you know all the different things that they set up So this is the kind of thing that it feels like you can only really do this right now. So I thought that was a cool aspect of it. I loved everything with the match. My favorite thing, though, had to be Chris Statlander popping Mm -hmm. up out of the crane game and blasting Penelope Ford with the uh, plexiglass, that panel that, that came busting out of the machine and then she followed that up with a massive driver off the apron through an air hockey table and it was just great great to see her we've been talking about her making her return a lot lately and i'm just excited that you know she's back and she looked great yeah that was that was really surprising chris statlander showing up was nowhere on my radar i did not expect her to get involved with this and i love that commentary was quick to point out hey statlander and penedley ford had a hell of a match at double or nothing last year you know referencing their history looks like there's some unfinished business and i don't know if you saw but post show orange cassidy got on the mic and said chris statlander is a part of the best friends moving forward so they have a new member of that group which i think is an excellent excellent uh addition to one of my favorite groups in aew and she looked to be in incredible shape i know rehab can really you know do wonders to wrestlers when they come back because they, they're just working out non-stop to get better so i thought she looked great i liked the the look with the hair the face paint i love the ring gear and the spot was awesome like a air hockey table is not going to break the same way that a wrestling table is going to break. So the fact that, you know, I've never seen anything like that before was a awesome and B 
it was just a just a cool spot in the middle of this match. And then we got the return of Trent, and he got dropped off by Sue in the minivan. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, love how one fun could say we had are. three returning talents on this episode. Um, Trent was another big surprise. You know, I did mm-hmm. not expect him to show up here. I I knew that the best friends were going to win because there was no way that you know. Charles was going to be Miro's butler forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that they were going to win because Kip and Miro were going to have problems as a team, you know, due to the fact that, you know, Penelope got blasted by Miro in their previous tag match. And, you know, there's this, this rift and this change in focus between the two of them where they seem to be going in different directions. And, you know, Kip wanted this match and Miro didn't. And it's, uh, I thought that was going to be the angle that would allow the best friends to get the upper hand and eventually win the match. Trent feels like he's ahead of schedule, pulled a John Cena and is Mm -hmm. back and ready to go, uh, which was a big surprise. Uh, But I have to ask a question about something else that was new. Uh, What did you think of their new entrance music? And did you recognize it? I I know there was a big deal about Tony Khan getting the rights, so I didn't recognize it. So Joel, give me a little education here. What's the new? Well, new, we new were theme treated music? to "Where Is My Mind" by the Pixies, <laughs> absolute legends of grunge yes. music, and uh, this was a song made famous by the movie Fight Club. Uh, I played in the closing credits and uh just is a a perfect perfect theme particularly for orange cassidy uh you know the opening lyrics with your feet in the air and your head on the ground uh and it it just goes on from there and it's all (laughs) you know very psychedelic sounding and the chorus of course where is my mind Makes so much sense for Orange Cassidy. Absolutely love this. And feels like a big deal. Like we don't get wrestlers coming to the ring with real songs. Mm-hmm. And I really dig that. It feels like a huge deal for AEW. And really cool that Tony Khan uh, was willing to take a big swing and, you know, get that music. Uh, you know, just yeah, like I, when Ronda Rousey debuted in the other wrestling mm-hmm. company and came out to bad reputation by Joan Jett. Like that was a big freaking deal. So I love this. Yeah, or when CM Punk resigned and he got cult of personality. Yeah. Uh, for, for his return, like it's a big deal. And this is the second time in the last few months that Tony Khan has paid some bucks to get some rights to music. If you recall, he, he paid for the rights to the tribute, uh, the music from the tribute video they made for Brody Lee. So he said, we will own this for the rest of time, the rights to this. So we never have to worry about this video being altered. So just cool stuff there. And, you know, I think it just shows the faith they have in Orange Cassidy, how they view him as not only a, a wrestling talent, but a wrestling asset. You don't do this type of thing for someone who isn't worth it. So I think it tells us everything we need to know about what they think of him, what they think of this group. And... You know, we we kind of peaked the Orange Cassidy hype, you know, when he won the Mimosa Mayhem. And I feel like we're gearing up for another sunny a summer of orange. 
Well, and, you know, I think Orange Cassidy would be a great person to take the belt off of Darby Allen. Um, I think they would have an incredible match. And if this match and the return and, and kind of building up of this faction is a sign that Orange Cassidy is going to ascend, what better way than to challenge for the number two title on the show? So that would be cool. Looking forward to the future for the best friends with their newest member, Chris Statlander. Can't wait to see her get back into the women's division. Yeah. And it seems like a program here to kick off with Penelope Ford would be a natural way to reintroduce Chris Statlander. Cause it's been a little under a year. Um, you know, is she going to still do the whole alien gimmick or is it now that she's with the best friends? Maybe it's a more toned down. We'll see, but I, I'm just excited to have her back because when we were, when the women's division was struggling last year, we looked at her as one of their pillars and one of the things they could build around. So to get her back is, is huge. All right. Well, the next topic that we want to hit on, I, this is kind of a stock down from me, kind of a stock in the middle. I'm going to call it a stock down because that was my initial reaction to it on the show. And uh, this was the pairing of Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as a tag team. And it's it's kind of odd, right? Because like on its face, those two will be great together. And that's great. But my initial reaction was, didn't we just get Scorpio Sky away from SCU so that he could have a singles run and pursue gold as a singles competitor. And, you know, Ethan Page, his whole thing is all ego. All ego doesn't say tag team to me. And I know before anyone gets started (laughs) that he was a part of uh, one of the best tag teams in Impact, uh, the North. So I get that. Fine. He's a great tag team wrestler. But this character, this persona that he's been... Uh, portraying in AEW so far isn't someone who I see wanting to share the limelight. So uh, Mike, what did you think of this pairing up of Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky? Yeah. In, in a vacuum, I think it it will, it could work. They're both extremely talented. They're both very charismatic. Like you give them both a, a heel tag team run. I think it'd be great, but yeah, it, <laughs> I, we, we've talked about before that AEW is good about abandoning stories when they don't make sense, but man, both of these, their individual stories, I was super interested in. Like I thought the, the heel turn by Scorpio sky over the last few weeks was incredibly, you know, interesting and fascinating. And we thought him winning the face of the revolution ladder match is going to be a stepping stone. And unfortunately doesn't look like it. So I'm going to withhold judgment until we see what this, what them as a duo is like, you know, it could be maybe they're not going for championship gold. Maybe they're literally just here to bitch about what they don't like about the company right now and work together to achieve those individual goals. But uh, we'll have to see. I did like their their promo, the video uh, with them kind of continuing each other's sentences and talking about how they're going to take what's theirs. So I, I thought that was good. But yeah, it just seems very weird. You have two high potential guys and and maybe they're at the point where maybe they have signed a little too much talent. Um, maybe they're facing some, you know, WWE like problems where they can't get people on the cards, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's a, it's a meh for me. Yeah. 
Yep, indeed. I don't think we need to belabor the point. I agree that the promo is really good. Uh, I actually thought that it was a a promo for AEW Dark Elevation uh, because they're two talents that have been featured on there quite a bit. Um, So I was really thrown off when it was like, oh, no, we're a tag team. We're working together. So uh, we'll see. It's kind of a wait and see, kind of a stock in the middle because I do like it. I just I wanted to see these guys as singles competitors. And I know that there's time for that to happen down the road. But, uh, you know, Darby Allen's going to need challengers. There's going to be, you know, people who need to step mm-hmm. up to him. So uh, that seems like, especially for Ethan Page, that that would have been a great place for him to to focus once he got through the initial introductory phase in the company. Uh, but one oh, well. thing that makes me feel a little positive about this is that AW is proving that they can have stories outside of the title pictures and then be effective and interesting. Like, you know, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa story was incredible. This blow off to the best friends versus Miro and Kip. This whole story has been awesome. Like I I trust that if they're going this route with uh, these two guys that they're going to give us something interesting and compelling. So that's, that's, that's my hope. We'll see if that comes to, to fruition. All right, so there were there was a lot to talk about. Uh, so we had a hard time choosing what our our third topic was going to be for this main segment, uh, but we we settled on the uh, QT Marshall or QT Marshall, excuse me, betrayal of Cody Rhodes and the breakup of the Nightmare Family. Uh, Mike, I, we've seen this kind of thing in wrestling before. In fact, we just kind of saw it with the inner circle and the pinnacle. Uh, Mm -hmm. What about this is interesting. What about this is concerning. What are your thoughts? I, uh, (laughs) I, I mentioned last week, I, I, I was interested in what was going on. I was curious. I, I have a little, I'm nervous about whether QT Marshall could have pulled off this heel role. So I am, I am even more so worried because now he's a leader of a faction of I'm sorry. I didn't know those people's names in the ring. Like I, I couldn't, I know that it's Aaron Solo. I know it's what Nick Camarada. Like I couldn't tell you which one was which just because like, unless you're watching dark and a lot of this other stuff, like you don't see these nightmare family members all that much. And the nightmare family too, very rarely, does factiony things like they're not in a lot of like six man tag matches like we saw with the inner circle or what I'm assuming we'll see with the pinnacle or the elite. Like they're just kind of a group of buddies, you know, very loosely related. So I don't really know if QT is capable of this. I obviously they feel he, he must have the chops because they're going full speed ahead. I didn't expect this big of a break so quickly. I think that's the thing that shocked me the most. Yeah, I I think I really liked the match itself or the exhibition. I enjoyed the way Cody was kind of just outclassing QT at every turn and not following through on his moves and not being willing to put the figure four on him, like all those different things. And it led up to QT punching Arn in the face, which... Mm -hmm got a great reaction like i i think it was shocking 
It was uh, something that seemed way over the line. And, you know, I mean, it's Arn. He's a legend. We don't want to see Arn get hit. You know, he's an old man. Leave him alone. <laughs> uh, but I thought it it really accomplished the goal of if you were still on the fence about QT and whether he was a heel or not, like it's one thing to abandon your partner in a tag team battle Royal. It's another thing to punch Arn Anderson in the face. So that aspect of it, I really liked. And it actually kind of put QT over as a heel to me. Like I, I have a lot more confidence in his ability to work heel based off of the way he was interacting with Cody in that match and uh you know the how he acted after uh punching arn and his whole response to that and it also this segment kind of paid off a question which was why are so many people being added to the nightmare family because it yeah it's been for weeks now you know every couple of weeks it's been like oh it's, I think it started with the gun club being added to the nightmare family. And it was like, Oh, well, okay, cool. I don't know if that really well, means I, anything, but, but cool. And then I'm looking at though, their Wikipedia right now, Joel, so I can see the dates they joined. So the guns were all added October 30th, 2020. Lee Johnson was added October 30th, 2020. Then we had, uh, uh, Aaron Slalo, February 8th, 2021. Nick Camarado, February 8th, 2021. Um, like, yeah, so there's been a lot of injection here to the group. My thing is, like, other than, like, Lee Johnson getting that big win, finally, like, I don't care about the guns. Like, like I barely know anything about the people who attacked on behalf of QT Marshall last night. It's like, the nightmare family members that mattered were Cody, Dustin, Arn, and QT, like maybe Lee Johnson. So I don't know. I, the, like, yeah, the, so, the punch to Arn was cool. And I, I thought the beatdown afterwards was effective, effective. Like it showed that they're bad, bad guys. Dustin road is eating the pile driver on the, the, the stairs was devastating, but I'm kind of like, eh, <laughs> I'm going to come to the defense of Aaron Solo a little bit. Um, He's someone who has been around and been a part of some really great uh, stuff on the indies. He was in a tag team with Ricky Starks. And um, I I think they were called extremely talented or something like that. Um, And he's someone who's been around the business and can absolutely go. It's honestly surprised me that he hasn't been used more given that I, I feel like he's one of the higher profile indie wrestlers who they've had signed who hasn't really been doing much. So I'm excited that he's going to get a bigger role here. I really like Nick Camarado from what I've seen uh, from dark and from seeing his, his, I think he had at least one match on dynamite. Um, Yeah. I've seen him before. He's a physical specimen. He's huge. He had a a match against Darby Allen too. too. So, I mean, I think this is a good opportunity for some of these talents who have been in and around the company for a while to be elevated so, uh, and I, I really liked, uh, QT's facial work that he did, uh, kind of showing like initially, oh my God, what have I done? Uh, and then, you know, giving us that evil smile when the plan came to fruition 
And the question for me is whether he can get it done on the mic, because we know from a ring work perspective, he can work heel and he can make you dislike him. We saw from this segment that he can do the facial acting and the physical uh, nonverbal communication aspects of, of working heel. So it's, can he get on the mic and cut a scathing promo that, pisses you off as the viewer and that's what we haven't seen yet so yep. hopefully and, and now that he's not you know in this in-between kind of space he can really uh let it loose and you know hopefully we'll see more from from some of these other guys who are uh being built up through this feud um, but it it does make a lot more sense to me now why so many random people were being added to the nightmare family mm-hmm and that's the risk here, because if QT Marshall can't do that, if he can't carry this new faction on a mic, they're done. Like, look at the factions in AEW right now. We have the inner circle led by Chris Jericho. Yeah, we have our issues with Jericho at 50, but he is still one of the top five speakers all time in professional wrestling. Like, dude's a legend on the mic. MJF is probably the best on the mic right now. <laughs> you have Cody leading the other half of the Nightmare family, who we know can give insane promos, heartfelt promos, anything you want, he can do on the microphone. Like it, Matt Hardy lead, leading his group. Like Matt Hardy's great. Like if QT Marshall can't uh, elevate this group on the microphone, then they're, they're going to be dead on arrival because who's going to care. So that, that's my thought on it. Excited to see where it goes though. <laughs> Mark it down, people. You're free square on the other wrestling show bingo card. We're excited to see where it goes. Anything else to say about about this, Joel, before we move into our lightning round? We're going to have to do a true lightning round because we have so many different things to talk about here. Let's do it. Lightning round. It pains me not to put the Christian uh, Kaz match in the stock up, stock down. But what a match. <laughs> I could talk about Christian all day. We all, I, You guys know how much I love him, but this was an extremely fun, competitive, well-thought-out match to start the show. And the thing that I took away from it, Joel, is that uh, it seemed like they were kind of playing, like they don't make Cage seem rusty, but he kept kind of like either feigning being exhausted and kind of suckering Kaz in for some of those slaps, those padded Christian slaps or some roll-ups and stuff. So just some wily veteran moves here from Christian. But I, I thought this match was great. I think I, if it wasn't for the arcade, I thought this would have been probably match of the night. I agree with that completely. Uh, this was uh, a clinic in how working slower actually elevates your matches. Uh, and, and the reason for that is that changing speeds is something that gets an emotional reaction from the audience. Well, if you're going full speed the entire time, you can't change speeds. And when you are having like a little bit of downtime, it throws off the whole pacing of the match. Whereas a match that's slow for most of the match makes the fast segments feel that much more impactful. Uh, and then it also gives the audience time to process the damage that's being done from the different moves that are being executed in the ring. Uh, this is something where if 
Christian can rub off on the rest of the roster, I, I think it'll elevate the entire company in the quality of matches that we're getting. And especially seeing them sell and register. I mean, it, this was an absolute clinic. Uh, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. This is the kind of wrestling match that I want to watch. And I, I think a lot of the things that they did were things that we also saw Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa do. That was not an incredibly fast paced match, but everything was sold well. Everything, you could see the pain in their faces and mm-hmm. uh, you could see the fatigue throughout the match in, in both of those matches. And I think this is the kind of thing that we want from professional wrestling. Yeah, and it it it, can, it feels different because, you know, we see a lot of fast-paced action in AEW. I don't need this type of match to be every match on the card because then you get some, it can really drag. But if you build your card where, okay, you're going to have matches like these, then you're going to have like the crazy six-man tag between the good brothers, Kenny Omega and the Lucha bros and uh, Laredo kid. Like it, it balances out the show and it kind of heightens why each match style is so great. And what I, what I liked about this match and I swear we can move on soon. uh, It kind of gave us a glimpse of what Christian's capable of at this age. He's not a young man, but he's in great shape. He took some bumps, dude. Um, He took some bumps and he, that span, basically the Spanish fly that they nailed, like the, spot where he got knocked off the turnbuckle outside the ring, like showed me that they're not going to, they're not wrapping him up in, in bubble wrap here. Like they're going to let him wrestle. They're going to let him compete. And I, I, I thought it was great. Vintage Christian cage. If you ask me. Totally agree. Uh, so another segment that could have made stock up, stock down, uh, the, locker room backstage brawl between the pinnacle and the inner circle. And um, the only reason that this didn't make our, our main segments to start off is that neither of us really care about either of these factions at this (laughs) moment in time. Um, In particular, we don't care about seeing these two factions go at it against one another. Um, I'm much more interested in whatever the pinnacle does after they're done with the inner circle. Um, but the segment itself was fantastic. They went all over the building. We saw people go through tables. We saw people go into cold tubs. Uh, Dax Harwood was bleeding like a stuck pig. I mean, this yep. was brutal and violent. MJF got a swirly. Who's not here for that? <laughs> for sure, yeah. It, it definitely uh, it was an appropriate response to the beatdown that the inner circle took a few weeks ago. You know, I, I like when stories escalate. I didn't need, I, if they came out with a weaker response, it would have been even more of a segment I wasn't super interested in, but at least that it was violent. It was, it kind of felt like a mini cinematic thing too, with all the camera cuts that they were doing. Um, also, <laughs> were the inner circle just hanging out in the bathroom all afternoon? That's not uh, I a guess public so. bathroom. <laughs> there, there's like, there's no other entrance in there. So they like, and also MJF went to open the door to introduce them to their new interior decorator. Was the interior decorator in the bathroom? 
I mean, these are questions <laughs> that we're never going to get the answers to, but the, they're clearly the important questions to be asking. So I think so. I think so. I was just like, wait, okay. But in all seriousness, I, I, yeah, I don't really care about the inner circle. I was more interested in a, a, a potential breakup of the inner circle. Um, and I hope that this inner circle promo just isn't cookie cutter. Hey, we're baby faces now. Look at us. Hey, we're good guys. I, I, I hope that it's something that at least is interesting. That's part of this, right? Like the pinnacle are clearly heels. They're headed up by the biggest heel in the company. And I don't see myself cheering for the inner circle, like at all. I'll cheer for Santana and Ortiz. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really, if we get Santana Ortiz versus uh, FTR. All right. I guess this was worth it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We get that. It's all worth it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got something the, I, the sting and Darby Allen promo, uh, video, um, aimed towards Matt Hardy, I thought was really, really good. Really interesting. Did you notice that the money they were using were young bucks? I did not notice that those were young bucks bucks. Yeah, they were young bucks. Like as they're flowing, I like, I could see freaking Matt and Nick posing on the dollar bill. Um, I thought that was really funny. Um, that, I don't know if they, we were intended to know that they were young bucks, but they were 100% young bucks. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you got something for me in lightning round, dude? Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the Lucha Bros versus the Bullet Club, which like started off with an absolute bang and didn't let up. This was mm-hmm. frantic action. Uh, the style that you know, you expect anytime Penta and Phoenix are involved in a match together. And uh, it just reminded me of how absolutely electric they are as a tag team. You know, I feel like it's been a minute since we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, the two of them in a tag team match for an extended period of time. You know, we had seen Phoenix and Pack wrestling together. Uh, the spot where they did the the Casadora and they do the little flipping splash out of it. When Phoenix had to sidestep like six or seven paces while holding uh, Penta up in that spot, like I was so impressed with his strength and balance and their ability to do that because, you know, they had to move clear across the ring to get in position to do that flipping splash onto their downed opponents. And uh, that was mm-hmm. the spot of the match for me. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. I did pack have to go back to England or something. Cause I have no idea. Aren't him and Phoenix, the number one contenders. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so I, I guess that story's on the, the back burner because the young bucks are now fully involved with this Kenny Omega john moxley situation so that w- little stock down there because we were really looking forward to that match i'm sure we'll get it at some point but it seems very weird to make a team a number one contender if you know one of their guys has to leave the country so who knows but uh, i wanted to talk about uh aw bringing the heat with these dynamite shows recently look at next week's card we get john moxley and the young bucks versus kenny omega and the good brothers that screams pay-per-view main event type of match. Yeah. So it's big stuff. 
yeah, they're, they're really bringing it now. And, uh, that's just going to be wild. And hope our boy, Eddie Kingston's good. We didn't see him this week. So hope that, hope that leg's feeling better. My dude. I like that. He wasn't there. I like that. He's selling the, 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 you know, the damage that feels appropriate. And I, I just assuming that hangman page is off spending Matt Hardy's money. <laughs> well, he was there he wasn't last on this week. week either. <laughs> he was there last week. Um, so I, I gotta briefly mention what has become one of my favorite things, which is our weekly John Moxley riffing about shit backstage. <laughs> this, this was so good, <laughs> and listing things that piss him off, like. <laughs> This was such an entertaining promo, and I feel like we get a really brief, entertaining promo from John Moxley on like a weekly basis. And he keeps it fresh and fun and has a, a slightly different angle that he's working every week. And I love it. I mean, you know, we we were talking earlier about people who are, you know, best on the mic within the company. And we didn't mention Eddie Kingston. We didn't mention John Moxley. And those yeah. are two phenomenal talkers. So uh, shout out to uh, to Mox and his backstage promos. I like how Moxley was basically like, yeah, it's your fault. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's, like, he's got I, a bright future. He's, <laughs> he can make a lot of money for the company, but not if I kill him tonight. Yeah. It's like, it's your fault. I'm in a bad mood. Yeah, I'm pissed off and you're going to make me do this match. Fine. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, because his his promos as Dean Ambrose, like they really leaned into the lunatic. Ooh, this is more lunatic than anything else. He's just like, yep, yep, I'm having a rough couple of days, so I'm gonna kill this guy. Like, it works. So good, good there for Moxley. I thought that was really funny. I don't even know if it was supposed to be funny, but it made me laugh. What else you got? Uh, I think that's kind of you know. I really like the. The uh, Ty Conti, Karashita versus the Bunny and Nyla Rose match, mainly because I'm just glad to have the Bunny back in the ring because she is such a good talent, too. And I definitely feel like she can do some damage here in the women's division. And yeah, I, I, I don't usually I don't mind the number one contender and champion kind of teaming up if the story's right and this one feels to be working in the right way and uh it really felt like uh conti kind of carried this match she was kind of the main focus of the storytelling side of things and um i'm just really impressed with with her development we mentioned that last week too and uh that eventual match between Sheeta and conti is going to be really really fun i can't wait for it absolutely it feels like she's been given a lot of opportunity to shine lately and she's made the most of it. I'm excited for her. And I agree having Allie in the company and having her not wrestle seems like one of the biggest mistakes that (laughs) AEW had made to date. And I'm glad that she's finally getting involved in the women's division. I mean, we had that brief stint where she was tagging with Brandy, but that lasted for what a month. So well, hopefully like this we said. <laughs> is a longer term involvement in the women's division for Allie. So uh, more of that, please. Yeah, that was my last thing. So unless you got anything else in lightning round, Joel, we can uh, we can riff here for a few seconds. I think I think I'm good. I think I'm good. 
So audience, Joel's a big UNC basketball fan. Joel, I want to give you a, a few seconds here to kind of tell me how you're doing right now with, with Roy Williams announcing his retirement on April Fool's Day. What the fuck? Like, you feel like your PR team should be like, you know what? Let's just hold it off till the second. You know, I like no one believed on, it on April 1st because <laughs> I think we should all just stop observing April Fool's Day. It is the dumbest day of the year. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some things, man. I mean, he was my coach. Uh, not that I played there, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit too young to remember the glory days of Dean Smith at UNC. And uh, <clears throat> what I remember is the kind of rough years in between Dean Smith and Roy Williams. That was my my formative basketball experience. And then, you know, when Roy Williams came in, changed everything, won three championships and was just an absolute stand up guy uh, throughout his time at UNC. Uh, not afraid to, you know, voice his opinions on things. Uh, he was uh, someone who always had his players' best interests at heart and, you know, did a really uh, great job of, of preparing his guys to go to the NBA and uh, just an, an absolute, you know, standout Hall of Famer and, uh, gonna gonna miss having him on the sidelines. You know, one of my favorite things about going to a Carolina basketball game was actually not watching the game, but watching Roy <laughs> Williams on the sideline because he was so animated, and you know, you could just tell how the game was going by watching him. And you know, he did that classic head coach thing, which is that somebody on the floor screws up. So he's going to go yell at somebody on the bench. Like, did you see what he just did? Don't fucking do that. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I can't yell at the guy who's in the game. So I'm going to yell at somebody on the bench. And, uh, you know, it just, he was, he was fantastic. And I'm really sad that he's not going to be the coach <laughs> anymore, but I'm happy for him that he doesn't have to deal with the stress of being a head coach in the NCAA anymore and i hope that he enjoys his retirement and plays a lot of golf and wears a lot of jordans because <laughs> like dude's shoe game is on point you know me i respect the shoes i respect the shoes so yeah is it it's weird when i saw that news i merely thought of you so i feel like that should <laughs> joel and unc basketball are synonymous in my head so uh, <laughs> enjoy your retirement coach and joel you know it happens, you know, the the longest tenure coach in like my sports history career has been like Jason Garrett. So I don't really get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, what about what about Carlisle? I mean, he's still our coach, though. Like he hasn't left yet. <laughs> OK, I, I um, see. So you're like longest tenured former coach. Yes. Like like I haven't okay. had to experience like a beloved coach retiring because like the the sports that I've care about, like, yeah, I'm not. Coach Moore leaving app didn't really do much for me. It didn't, didn't impact me. And probably Carlisle will just because he's been there so long and we've won the championship and he, you know, Dirk era into the Luca era. So yeah, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what it's like to support a team that has like that legendary figure. I guess my, I guess mine would be Jerry Jones and that just depresses me. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like you're going to celebrate when, 
Jerry Jones is no longer involved with the Cowboys. That's a common misconception. He's not really as involved anymore as people think because they have a, they basically have a guy now who is the GM, but that is not wrestling podcast talk. So we will not go into that, but I want to give you a little moment, Joel, to just kind of express yourself and let it out. So, but anywho, guys, thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the other wrestling show. Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. Can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, said it right this time, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Give us a subscribe, give us a follow, whatever the verbiage now. Uh, you can send us an email at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, Joel, anything to say before I uh, pack up Kate, the cat, the cat who's staying with me? I have to pack up all his stuff. To bring him home tonight. Anything to say before I go do that? You know what to do. Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. <laughs>